just on a serious note, what are, they, are these? I've put my AirPods in. Do they, are they any good? I think they look down like kids, Jez. No, I meant for sound quality, you know. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. they're fine, Jez. But I your sound I'll... was fine before. Yeah, I think they look uh, well cool. Sledging the uh, the earphones because I've got them as well. <laughs> well, you would because so, you're trendy like me. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Oh, you're looking cool, Marty. How's it going? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Just got back from a family dinner. We just had a lovely Italian around the corner at yeah, Stefano's. Good. Very nice. Stefano's. You still got that northern accent, I see. That northern English accent. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest right. six in world. Biggest six in world. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housecast, Law House Cricket Club's legendary podcast. Believe it or not, we've reached 100. It's even more than mine and Blazer's years on this planet, or it seems it. So, first of all, Joe Martin, uh, thanks very much for joining us on this prestigious occasion, 100 episodes. Did you ever think we'd get here? Well, not after that first one where I was talking about how I don't like jacket potatoes. I can't remember why that came about, but it does seem a long time ago. Uh, I think I was, de- I was describing what I had for my tea, uh, and then um, I explained this isn't this isn't this isn't interesting. But I just explained why I thought the jack potatoes were too potatoy, so you, you know, can't eat them. Was yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, it was. But hundred episodes, 100 and I've episodes. just had Stato from. Um, from the house cast, who does all the research for it, Adam, has to work out we've had 70,000 listens. It's incredible, really, isn't it, I think? Um, yeah, I think so, yeah. For a little cricket club. Yeah, yeah, well, far and wide all over the world. The world <laughs> has gone mad, Gary. But let's, uh, I know we've, we've um, they've all trimmed down a little bit since COVID finished and we've all got busier. But, you know, to have an episode, 100 that we've all done, I think we should all be quite proud of it. And then the fact that the guests we've got on tonight, I think it uh, it probably, you know, it deserves the 100th episode to get this lad on after what he's done in the past and what he's currently doing. But So, Joe, thanks very much. You're all wrapped all up. Right. In it. Let's have a look. Yeah. You've got your scarf on, you've got a jacket on, you've got your bobble hat on and you've got a rug on. Yeah. So what, did you, what did you get for Christmas then, Joe? Give me a clue. <laughs> None of these items. A bobble really? hat. A rug and a scarf. So you bought them, is what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. I'm at the height of... You went out and chose them. I'm at the height of fashion, Gaz. Well, if you got them for Christmas, Gary, I reckon they were naughty. (laughs) 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 There's no picking on little Joe. No, it's fine. I can hold my own. I need to be be attacked. Character building. (laughs) Character building. Have you got the eating on in the the Joe Martin room? No, because it's coordinated from the um, pub room. Right, okay. I would say, Jez, this is, um, I would say, in the top five episodes that I've been excited about. Oh, that's lovely to say. And and people don't even know who the guest is yet. No. 
Little Joe Martin's excited. So anyway, from Little Joe Martin, let's go to Little Gav with his legs. He's got his legs out of Gav. He's not scarf in sight, not a bob hat. He's got bare legs and bare feet. How are you going, Gav? Yeah, good, thanks, Jess. Good, thank you. Tell us about Burnley. How excited are you about how they're playing in Burnley oh, football? They've been superb, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really good. They were, they were good on Saturday. Uh, you know, tough game, contrary to a good side. Roll on to the next one now, Friday night, West Brom at home. Another big game. Yeah. Probably be a sellout, 20 odd thousand on. Um, yeah, that's Friday. And then I'll be uh, round at uh, Fell Aggerty's on Saturday watching boxing. So, good weekend coming up. Can't beat it. Is the bubble going to burst at all? This is, you know, I'm not normally a negative person, but sometimes, you, what's your thoughts? It's one of them, Jez. I mean, you know, it's as, as everyone always says, it's a tough league and it, it is it is competitive. And we, you know, we do have some tough games coming up. You know, West Brom on Friday night. You know, they're coming into some form. Um, so, you know, it's, it's going to be tough and plenty of good sides, but we're we're one of them. You know, and, yeah, yeah. and you know, we'll probably make. Probably sign a striker in January. Um, yeah, they're talking you know, about that, aren't they? Yeah, some big players, yeah. So, you know, we're just doing really well and it's just it's just really exciting at the moment, mate. So, looking forward to, forward to Friday night. As a neutral, Jez. Yeah? As a neutral, I would say that Burnley are the best team in that league. Thanks for that, Joe. To the next co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Morehouse. Gary, welcome. And thanks very much for helping out all these... 100 episodes, you've been invaluable. How's it going down there, Gaz? Yeah, good, Jez. Evening. Uh, evening all. Yeah, pretty good, Jez. Bit, bit on chilly side, uh, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, we're doing all right. 100 episodes, I mean, that's mental. It's I mental. You, you'd have got severely long odds on that. And uh, I think yeah, it's fair to say, we're cheesy about it all. If, if we weren't getting those 70,000 downloads or whatever we've had that Adam's scours the world for, then uh, we wouldn't be doing them, would we? So... You know, the fact that folk, oh. folk listen and enjoy them, we get some pretty decent feedback. Um, you know, I think it's, it's made us carry on. 100%, Gary, because there's some time, I mean, tonight, we've, they'd have been queuing rank block to come and, and chat to this lad that we've got on. But some of them are a little bit difficult sometimes when you're busy, you've been working all day and it's midweek. And, you know, we used to do them at weekends, didn't we? And when everyone was yeah. fed up, we did to Andrew McDonald and Ryan and... Curtis Hazard getting the time difference right, so it is. A, you know, no credit to you lads and pulling it together. So no, you're right. Hundred, it, it is crazy. It is mad. So we'll um, we'll move on to our guest. This lad is is a top top person, top individual from where he's played, wherever he's he, he, he's gone in the world. We thought we played cricket with him for for one season, played against him for three seasons. Um, but no one has a bad word about him. Very competitive, loves the game to bits, and it'd be so interesting to see how his career developed since um, since his you know his actual first class cricket career finished. So, without more of ado, can I welcome Matthew Mott? Motty, thanks very much for coming on the Housecast. Hey, cheers, cheers. Uh, good to be on here, mate. Finally, I think we had a false start. And maybe uh, episode ninety six or something like that, but we're, I'm on. Yeah. So I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, yeah, we did, and I remember you were obviously were in Australia when we were messing each each other, trying to get you on just in between one of the lockdowns, and and it just didn't work out. But for the for the benefit of the listeners, right from the outset, Mott is never. It's always been a case. Yeah, I want to come on. Yeah, please. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it at any stage. So we really appreciate it, Motty. Thanks ever so much for all your time. We've had a little chat prior to the recording side of this starting. It, 
all we want to do is have a, a good catch up and, and a reminisce and a laugh and a joke. Gav's on here to come in with some questions. Gary's on here. Gary played quite a lot in that season that you played for us. So I'm sure we can uh, reminisce about the season. I've done some research and it's mind boggling looking back. I can't remember probably 80% of it. And then we've got Joe Martin that we've just established who was four when you, you proed for us, uh, Motty. But I'm sure you can remember Joe Martin, a four-year-old, can you? Yeah, he was a very promising junior there. He struck around. I know that. Um, he didn't quite have the bobble hat on and, uh, and the glasses, but you, you knew he was something special back then. Yeah, for definite, for definite. So as we as we build into the podcast, Motty, and very briefly, and, and I never, you know, we, we played, you know, we played very closely together. Um, but I didn't, I don't, or, or if we did talk about it, I can't remember it. But just talk us through for the for the benefit of the listeners and the benefit of people who don't know anything about Law House or about your career. Just tell us how you started in cricket from a real young age when you were playing in the juniors and you were looking promising before you got anywhere near first class. How did that go for you? Yeah, I guess uh, like most Australian kids, you you grew up idolising your older brother, and my my older brother was seven years older than me, and um, you know, I, I didn't really have a choice. We just turned up and played cricket. Um, and dad was a, you know, he, he struggled a bit as a cricketer. He was a struggling leg spinner, but always really supportive. We played a lot of backyard cricket. And, um, yeah, I, I think just like every kid, you just want to be as good as your older brother. And I remember my parents talk often about, um, when I won my first trophy at cricket and my, uh, my brother at that stage was obviously older, um, had 50 to his name. And I went up to mum and dad and said, you know, between us, we've got 51 trophies, you know. And so that was the that was the big thing at, the, at that age, just that, you know, to combine the trophies. But, yeah, look, I, I just think cricket's been amazing for me in terms of um, the places it's taken me. Obviously, uh, Lancashire League is a big part of it. But as an 18-year-old, I went to Scotland, paid my own way to go there as an amateur cricketer and just opened my eyes up. And, um, yeah, where, where I am now, I'm just so grateful for where I've finished up. But I... I have a great affinity for for the UK and the opportunities that it's afforded me. It's you know so, some of the best years of my life was playing league cricket. Um, you know, just turning up and seeing guys that you know it wasn't their main job, but they loved playing cricket. And you know, for me as a professional cricketer, it was it was quite um, a realization and a remembrance that you know cricket is a game that you, you grew up and just loved playing. And um, every opportunity I had, I just saved. See, you know, we've we've exchanged a few emails and I've I've done a little bit of research, but I, I do remember the Scotland um, connection because I think when you I don't know if you played for when you played for us or when you were at church or Rostow, you you went back up there, so you're only eighteen and you're in the the UK going to play for Scotland. So how did that come about? How did you get that contract in Scotland? Um, we were lucky enough at Palm Beach Common, which was my local club on the Gold Coast, that we had a guy named Grant Stanley who'd literally done 18 years back and forth chasing the summer. And you know, I remember when I was about 16 or 17 and he said, oh, I'd like to take you over there as my amateur to air in, in Scotland. And uh, I didn't had no idea what he was talking about at that stage. And trying to convince my parents that it was a good idea was a hard sell. Um, yeah. But I'd finished, I'd finished a, a year of university. And I was sort of looking like you'd call over here a gap year. Um, and, and it was just an amazing opportunity. And my parents got on well with, with Stanners and said, yeah, yeah, go for your life. And I um, I went over there. I had no idea what to expect. I, I think I turned up about eight weeks before the season, which was crazy. 
it was absolutely freezing. I couldn't feel my lungs for the first three weeks. Um, and as a young kid from the Gold Coast, it was just an eye-opener. And, you know, it was the best time I could have spent in my life. I grew up so much. I had to fend for myself. Uh, I had to cook my own meals. And, um, yeah, I'd never done that before. So I look back on that so fondly. I've got some great friends from those times there. I've been in contact ever since. But um, something I, I think was – and I look back on, you know, for my own family, for, you know, my son Jai, who's over here in Wales at the moment. But the opportunity to travel is is something you should never take for granted. And as you say, you know, 17, 18-year-old, you go to your parents and say, look, I'm going over to this place that is from the Gold Coast to Scotland. You know, with all respect, there's lovely places in Scotland and it, it's a lovely area, but it's, it's chalk and cheese as far as temperatures and understanding. How you've said you've got some lifelong friends up there how welcoming was it when you first got into scotland was it that welcoming or did you have to find your own uh, your own way in life no they were incredibly welcoming i, I think um you know stanners is obviously a very popular bloke so you know they, they knew that if he brought someone over that they'd fit in pretty well and it, you know he didn't take just anyone over there over the time he was there he i think he hand selected people he wanted to go but um yeah i i, I lived with a, a guy named chunter who whose dad was very you know, um, big in the local community, owned a couple of bowling alleys. And we lived in this renovated sort of um, uh, cottage that was amazing. I had heated floors. We had a maid and all that. And I think I paid 10 quid a week uh, as part of my rent. So I was pretty well looked after. I worked at a garden centre. Um, I remember I got two pounds an hour back in the day. And that I felt like a rock star at the end of the week when I got my 80 quid. Um, and that would yeah, buy I mean, a lot of beers back then. So I was pretty happy. Certainly in Scotland, yeah, it would, and and you would be people who up there that that would have a beer with you. So that is that's eight years before you came to us and and, and been at church. So, at what sort of age was it obvious? And I know it's a difficult question for you to answer, but what when was it obvious that you were going to be a, a first class cricketer or a professional cricketer that could play cricket, play you know first class cricket? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question, mate, because I I. I grew up, um, I reckon, from about the age of 13 or 14. My father was a, a cricket tragic in terms of following Queensland cricket, which at that stage had never won the Sheffield Shield. It was it was the least successful first-class team in the history, I think, of, of the world. Uh, so 70 mm. years without a single title, and it was almost like this holy grail to win the Sheffield Shield. We used to listen together on the radio after school about you know Queensland falling over the line, you know, and missing out in, in Sheffield Shield finals for years. So it was inbred in me that I wanted to play for Queensland. And um, I was lucky enough with another lower house professional, Sean Flegler, to make out the debut on the same in the same game. But um, I honestly never pictured it as a money-making thing. I never thought it was a profession. It, to me, it was a passion. It was something that I was uh, – all, all I wanted to do was play for Queensland. And I, I often, every birthday – when you make your, your silent wish, was like, I just want to play one game for Queensland and I'll be happy, one game. And then, of course, you play your one game uh, and then you want to play more. But, um, yeah, throughout my career, I, I obviously had to change uh, to, to Victoria about four years in because um, some bloke from, you know, Queensland uh, got dropped, a guy named Matthew Hayden. And uh, at that stage, he wasn't going to play for Australia again. And my, my course in the Queensland team was was quite close so I um, I made the decision to move it was probably the best decision for me personally but you know to leave my native Queensland was a, a really hard move 
And what year would that have been? I mean, I, I, I have researched it, but I'm not excited that you're on. I'm not sure when it was. When did you leave uh, Queensland? Uh, so I left in 98 to go down right. there. So I had four years with Queensland and six years with Victoria. And, um, yeah, yeah I, I, I played probably my best cricket with Victoria, but, yeah, I've never... Yeah, I would love to have stayed in in Queensland. That was that was where my heart was and all that. But I think you know it was it was a very good move for me. And probably when I look back on my coaching career, the fact that I was prepared, you know, to get outside that comfort zone and move to another state, uh, it's, it's it's served me well in my coaching days. And it's made me aware of that. You know, like you need to sometimes move for opportunities. Yeah, I, I guess so. It's not like you was a 16, 17, 18-year-old. You'd establish yourself in in the state cricket there. As you said, Matthew Hayden's coming coming down. He's probably going to take a shot from you and, and you had the balls to go and do that at Victoria. Um, did you, were you married then? Were you, you weren't with anyone at that time when you moved, so that would make it a little bit easier, I guess? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was definitely um, back, back in those days. Uh, yeah, single man and so the ability to move was a lot easier, but you know, I left family and friends in the comfort of, of all that. Yeah. I was on the Gulf Coast. I had a very, very good established lifestyle up there. So, yeah, I mean, it was at the time, it was a big move. I think it's uh, since since I've made that move, it's become a lot more common that players move states, but it was very rare um, back in those days that players would pick up and move for opportunity. And it was around the same time that the contracts came in in Australia, like when you said there before about, being a professional, when when I first played for Queensland, you literally just got match payments. Um, there was yeah. no security around contract contracts or anything like that. So my first contract for Victoria was I think fifteen thousand dollars, which is probably about five thousand pounds now. And yeah. um, you know, the players players these days are earning a hell of a lot more than that. Yeah, and and you mentioned flags. We've had flags on the podcast, so the listeners. Who, are, who you know don't know anything about the Lancashire League or Lower Ice Cricket Club? You've come on to listen to Matthew Mark Flegg's absolute diamond, fantastic, cheeky little left arm spinner could smash it when he wanted to. Was far more aggressive than he ever looked, and and you were almost a bit of um, a cheeky, cheeky partnership really when when you got together when you were pro for us and Flegg's were there. And and I'm right in thinking I'm jumping ahead here. Uh, and we will come back to this, but I think it's worth pointing out you ended up working together with the the Australian ladies cricket. Is that right? Yeah, it's amazingly uh, like we just always ended up in the same spot, Flegs and I. Like um, I moved to Sydney, he'd moved to Sydney a couple of years later. You know, like we moved to Melbourne around the same time. Yeah. Uh, incredible like par- parallels within our journeys. And I remember, and you'll find this funny, is when he, when he was playing for Lower House and I was playing for Church. The joke was that he was playing for Toilet House, and you know I used to give him a bit of grief about playing for Toilet House. And then, and and then he he left and literally said said, "Would you take over the rot? Like I can't fulfil my contract. Will you take it over?" I was like, "Yeah, I'll take it over." So I ended up at Toilet yeah. House, and um, yeah, it was um, yeah, it was a great year. I mean, you sent through some stats earlier. It was statistically my worst year in the Lancashire League, but. Uh, I had an amazing time there. We had we had such great fun. All yeah. those times back in the in the you know the club after games, it was um, incredibly fun time. And then it was, it was I look back with very fond memories. Exactly the same, Ian Otto. We you know it, it, the game has completely changed. It's a lot more professional in league cricket now, as far as the amateurs go. The way they approach things, we all worked worked our nuts off, and and it was so good to have someone like yourself and Flags. You know, we'd. 
with others, Craig Light and Cameron Williamson, and obviously then Ryan Andrew later in in the uh, in in certainly in the end of my career. But it was fantastic to have these young Australians coming over. Um, we've got another little guest that's just sneaked on, but before we we introduce that individual, Gary, is there anything you want to just talk through, or any points you want to clarify around Motti's early career and? And how he's developed from Queensland to Victoria. He covered it all. Covered it all, Jez. I, mean, uh, I think that was the one point I was going to pick up on was that sort of pledge sort of thing from an early, early sort of time. I mean, you must you must have met and know hundreds of people around your sort of cricketing career since, and and yet to sort of follow somebody like well, not following, but sort of crop up together in different roles in different places, time and again, is uh, uh, is quite strange. Especially you know you both in Laura Ice Bros. So. Um, that was the only point, really. Jez was going to pick up on, but yeah. you that well. well. Yeah, it, it was. It was so. And I don't know. We're looking at the stats today, Gary, and and I've looked at them over the last couple of weeks. And I'll come into it in a minute. Why me and someone else started looking at the stats in a certain circumstances where we had a lot of time on our hands, and it was incredible. I just can remember Martin Flakes, and it was always sunny. It yeah. just seemed, and that that's probably a psychological thing because you're happy and you're enjoying that company. But it's clear that in 1998, it must have been a shit summer. Looking at some of the figures and looking at, even you know, I, I, you brought it up, Marty. I wasn't particularly going to bring it up that it was your worst season in the Lancashire League. But the amateurs, you know, the runs that didn't get scored was quite incredible. It was that stupid season, though, Jess, weren't it? Where we were 55 overs in exactly. declare. I mean, there's a few tales exactly. around that. I can remember there's a couple of Perla games where Motti, it was hilarious about some of those results that were going on, but we'll come exactly. on to them. Um, but no, I think going back to Flegs, like prior to that, in those seasons, when Motti were at church, Flegs were heavily, heavily focused, really serious, weren't he? We loved his cricket, wanted to do a great job as a professional, wanted to be, you know, wherever we were playing. And, um, but when we came up against Church, he was on another level. He just yeah. wanted to out- outdo Motte or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. yeah, so competitive it was. It was good fun. Joe Martin, I, I, do, I do remember, Jez, um, yeah. when I was playing against Lower House, and I went to slog flags early on, and it went straight up. And Stanny was running around like a ballerina. He did about <laughs> three pirouettes and dropped the ball. And and flags went absolutely nuts. He went ballistic, and um, and then he started getting stuck into me. And I remember afterwards, a few of you boys had said to him, "I thought this mop fellow was one of your mates." He goes, "Yeah, yeah, he's one of my good mates." But you would have thought, it, it, like, you would have thought we were worst enemies after that day. But uh, yeah, we drove home together and had a beer together. But yeah, when, when we're on the field, it was super competitive. Yeah, there's a game at Laura Ice where where we played you, and you got you were on about eighty on. It might have been the same game where, where Stanley had already dropped you. I don't know. But um, Jez were bowling. And I think Flegs were like a cover maybe or maybe a straightish cover, extra cover, something like that. And you, and you and same again, you hit it back over and he, and he Flegs legged it, pushed Jez out of where he were bowling to go and get this caught yeah. ball just to make sure that he, he caught you out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was. And, and, and we would definitely come on to, come on to it. We could go on forever with, with this. And uh, you were both so similar characters, but when the pressure was on, Botter, you were always a lot calmer and cooler. Flags, you could see, you know, the, the amount of times you'd walk in the dressing room and you did it twice that I saw, and they weren't cheap, weren't these cockaburras? And he'd walk in and he would hit the floor until it literally broke in half. 
they would smash it into the floor. <laughs> he, he was, he was, he was crazy, crazy lad. Joe Martin, you were only four years old. Is there anything you want to just bring up whilst uh, Martin's here, just for his early career? Um, no, it's really interesting uh, how everything has panned out, um, and I think that. Um, I, I always I I didn't know how you got to Law House. I didn't know that you brought up church um first. Um so it'll be really interesting to hear what you think about when I guess what you first thought when you saw Law House playing at church and then what it was like when you eventually proed for uh when you eventually proed for Law House, I think. Yeah, I I, I literally didn't know a lot about Lancashire League. Uh, beforehand I played in uh, North Staff South Cheshire League before that and obviously in Scotland but you know the, the the church contract was probably the first serious contract I'd ever signed it was like a decent amount of money and I, um, I was playing first class cricket at the time it was an eye-opener for me I'd, I'd never seen a league like that and obviously you saw some really other you know great professionals around at the time you know, you know likes of Joe Scuduri Roger Harper and guys like that so it was a bit of a like I was pinching myself saying, have I really got this gig? And then I signed on to play for church for the next year. For whatever reason, couldn't fulfill contract. I, ha- I think I had to stay back in you know, in Queensland at the time. And then um, the opportunity came up, as I said before, Fleg- Flegs couldn't fulfill his contract the next year. And, um, yeah, I just thought it was a great, great opportunity. I, was, uh, I had a Canadian girlfriend at the time. Um, we both thought it was a great idea to go over there. We had... Yeah, fantastic time there, and um, yeah, I, I just thought that the people at Lower House, um, it was a good time in our lives. There was a lot of couples at the at the club at the time, and they embraced both of us um, wholeheartedly. Yeah, we just drifted in a great lifestyle there, and lived in Burnley, and watched a bit of footy, and um, yeah, had a great time. Excellent. Well, so it was. We're looking back because it was uh, we're ninety six, weren't it, when you were at. At, at church, and you and you look at the amount of runs you got. You know, eleven hundred runs at sixty odd, and you know, you obviously you dominated. Gav, anything you want to just bring up before we bring the guest in? Just wanted to touch on Motty. You mentioned that you went up to Scotland uh, as a young lad when you were eighteen. How did so? How did that develop your game? Because I I'd, I'd imagine that uh, the wickets were a, a tad different to what they were back home. So how did it develop your game coming over to the UK, playing on those type of wickets and you know, how did how did you develop from your from an early start? Yeah, great, great question. I, I actually think uh, it developed me more as a person than as a cricketer. Like I'd gone over there, used to playing on Australian wickets, and then um, yeah, played on some absolute puddings. Um, that year in particular was a really cold, wet year in Scotland, which is probably not a great surprise to anyone on the on the podcast. But um, we we only finished I think half the league games that year that were scheduled to play. I also batted at four, which I wasn't used to batting. I, I was used to opening. And so I had very few opportunities to actually play. And we played a lot of friendlies. And um, back then, even before T20, we used to play 18 eight-ball overs, um, midweek games. Like I think it was on a Tuesday and a Thursday night. So I played a bit of cricket. But essentially, I, uh, I missed a lot of cricket as well. And, and for me, I went over there not knowing a lot. It was probably my first year drinking as well. Um and I reckon I put on 10 kilos um, from from the time I was over there. So I don't think my parents recognised me. But some people call it the Heathrow injection. But I, I literally put on quite a bit of weight. I had no idea how to train and anything like that. So when I got back, I, I was 
I was found out a bit. I was in some youth squads back in Queensland, uh, and you can imagine that like I'd gone over there and I came back quite unfit and not really up to up to scratch. So uh, it was an eye opener for me on how you need to manage yourself uh, as a professional cricketer and you know train when people aren't watching and stuff like that. So the years after that, it was a it was a great opportunity for me to go. Well, okay, there's no one telling me I have to train, but I know what it looks like when I I need to get back and I need to be fit enough. So it, for me, it was a life experience more than anything, and I, I learned a lot about myself and having to look after myself without your parents, you know, telling you what to do or or coaches telling you what to do. Um, so I developed a lot of self sufficiency from that that year over there. So well, that's interesting. That so because obviously when you were coming over, you know, in, in those years, league cricket were awash with young Australians, weren't it? And and perhaps not so young Australians. So. I would imagine there are a lot of young lads like yourself in the same position, learning a lot of life lessons. So when you look at it, fast forward to today, when there aren't a lot of Australians in league cricket, for whatever reason, do you think that there's a lot of promising young lads back home who are missing out on something, whether it might be technical, batting on different wickets, or whether it might be life lessons? And do you think that states back home are missing a trick by not allowing young lads to come over and experience everything that, you know... The, being a pro in the UK has got to offer. Yeah, I agree 100%. I, I um, well, to be honest, it was it was it was not their fault. I think for about a decade there, with the, the way the rules were in terms of um, getting visas into the country, it was quite tricky for young Australian players to come over. I don't think it was it was on their behalf. I think the rules were were set like that. But I I actually think in the last two years it, it's relaxed quite a bit again. Um, I don't know. I don't fully understand it, but whether that's because of the Brexit. Or whatever, it's a very different rule. But one of our good friends from back home, who's got a 19-year-old son, came over last year, played league cricket, and I was so excited by the fact that he got to come over here. You know, he's 18-year-old playing cricket. He just thought he won lotto by coming over here playing cricket, <laughs> having a few pints on a Friday night with the boys and the Saturday. Uh, and it reminded me so much of my own journey. But for a, a good decade, I think that was taken away from young Australians in terms of getting visas to get into the country and. I genuinely hope that that, that that continues. I think it's a it's a win win. I think you learn so much about other people. You develop relationships, and also, um, you know, I had so many guys that I played league cricket come out to Australia and you know play lower levels of cricket and have the time of their lives as well, get jobs as you know plumbers or whatever it was, um, but come out and just have an amazing journey in their own right. So um, hopefully that continues. Uh, I'm not sure how it all works legally around that. But I, I really think that was one of the, it was the best years of my life, that's for sure. It is, Gavin. That, you know, what a great question, you know, around the, the youngsters coming over. Us older ones now think, oh, it'll never happen again. He can't be doing this. But a lot of it is the visas and the permits. So let's see, you know, we, we oh, you'll never get, you know, the test players coming back into the league. But who knows, as younger players, we, we could get them in. Without further ado, let's just move on to... Um, the the next guest that's going to come in and just maybe ask a couple of questions or raise a few points. Myself and this lad have known each other for a few years and over the last couple of weeks, he's been laid up a little bit. He's been cropped. So I've been sat with him and talking about the the when Motti played in the Lancashire League. So without giving too much away, let me introduce Matt Hope, who was the captain in 98 when Motti crowed and um, he's told me some really funny stories about the build-up to the season. Hiya Matt, welcome. Hi Des, hi lads, are you okay? 
Hi, Matt. All right there, Matt. Hi, Matt. Hello. Hi, Matt. How are you, Paul? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, very good, mate. Really good, thank you. Very good. Very good. Great, great to see you, mate. And congratulations on the uh, on the England win. Fantastic to see that, thank mate. I, I can remember watching it. It was actually uh, the morning of the Burnley Blackburn game, and we were watching it in a pub in uh, Town Centre. And there were quite a few lads there. Jack, my lad, were there. And quite a few lads there. And they were, after they'd won, there were a big picture. Well, it zoomed in on you and, and the backroom staff and you there. And I said to Jack and his mate, I said, have you ever slept on this settee in Australia? <laughs> said, no, have you? I said, yeah, for a fortnight. Well, what a laugh that was. I said, yeah. so, it's just, yeah, how uh, how things, you know, like from what you say, best days, best times of your life, Matt, then the times we've had with guys like you and, and others that Jez has mentioned, it's, it, it was just unbelievable. And, and to look back on it and think, you know what I mean? It's just, it's fantastic. Great, great to see. So, and thank you for coming on. Oh, man. What have you done to yourself? Um, I, had a, I had a bit of a bit of a fall uh, in August. I'm getting to that age now where you just call them falls, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> um, and I end up uh, breaking my wrist and having to have it wired and pinned and things. So that all went all fine. It happened in the end of November. And then 2nd of January, on the Monday, 2nd of January, it just got really painful and really sore. To cut long story short, I ended up uh, getting an infection in it and, uh, and I had sepsis. So I was in hospital for eight days. Right. Uh, got hooked That's up good. to an antibiotic drip and stuff like that. And that's where Jez uh, kind of came to, to see me laid up in bed with all wires and everything hanging out. No, they weren't. I was sat there doing some work, but... Uh, yeah, just uh, yeah, I was in there. I, I was in there for, for eight days, but it's all good now. Hopefully, get this get this off tomorrow and uh, start getting the physio on it again. All right. I think it's worth luck, mentioning, mate. Matt. I think it's worth mentioning because if uh, other people might think you're walking on from the lane end drunk, Matt was actually playing golf and he's on a on a slope. I think Nelson Golf Club, and and he just all <laughs> he just leaned over the wrong way and from. People who watch, you just roll down and roll down and roll down. No, that, and that, that, that was oh, time that, before that I was my shoulder, Jez. That, that was another fall I had. Another fall. This one, I was pissed in the hotel room. Like <laughs> <laughs> Norman Wisdom. Yeah. And as, as I was, uh, I know it was, I was, I was there with Diane and Mia. And as I was trying to find my way, navigate my way to the toilet in the middle of the night, I knocked a, a heater off the wall. So as that's falling off the wall in front of me, and I'm trying to dodge it, and I didn't dodge it, and I fell over it and uh, landed on landed on my on my wrist. And uh, as oh, I say, the wrist. But I, I I will like to say, Matthew, I still played cricket day after and got uh, four for thirty six, not twelve overs. <laughs> so uh... never in doubt, never in doubt, <laughs> never in doubt. So, so yeah. Matt, we had a we had a good reminisce around around that season. And Gary, you obviously you played in it, and Matthew, you were brand new to it. Matt, just just you know, briefly reiterate the story as to why on earth the Lancashire League adopted the system, and just briefly explain what the rules were at that time and what happened the year yeah, before. Yeah. Well, I can't remember, Gary. Was that were you the captain the year before? Was this my first year? No, I think I, I think I, I'd captain the year before with Flegs, haven't I? Like no, we Corey. Yeah, Corrie. ninety-seven oh, was Corey. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah. So yeah. Yeah. yeah I you, you did Flegs, that great, lovely Australian. You left me with that. Banker Jordan to captain it there, didn't you? Um, so yeah, so basically, I, I was I, we were first year as captain in '97, and then after that season came to an end, and with the things that that had going with it, and then we got called 
to a meeting, me and Dave Wren at the time, and it was uh, organised by Peter Brown from Burnley. And I'll never forget it. I can't remember. The league exec were definitely there. And I think all the other clubs, they must have been there. I can't particularly remember them all being there. We were sat upstairs in, in the Burnley uh, bar. <clears throat> and it came up with this proposal of playing some sort of timed cricket. Where And he had it all down. And obviously, he was a very intelligent man and very businesslike and did everything properly. And all his presentations going on about how he would, uh, how he thought that if we did this, it would generate more first-class cricketers and make better young cricketers. Basically, what he was saying is that he wanted to have a hundred over game. The side batting first could bat a maximum of fifty-five overs, and then the side batting second would get forty-five. Or whether they were bowled out, if they were bowled out in forty overs, the side batting second got sixty overs. Or if the side batting first declared, they got the remaining overs. So there was always a hundred overs played. So. Knowing this was league cricket and amateur cricket on the wickets that we played, I'd like to see the stats, and we didn't get time to go through that, how many sides we batted first, either were A, bowled out where you needed extra overs, or declared. And I bet there was a vast majority of the side batting first, batted 55 overs. So you're then trying to play the game, having to score the same amount of runs, they didn't didn't reduce the total, but off 10 less overs. So obviously I was sat in this meeting and said, this just doesn't make sense. He was saying that it would put a value on your wicket and if you were batting second and you'd lost your best amateur and your pro, it would teach and encourage the other lads to value the wicket and bat time, which I was saying, absolute nonsense. If if you're going to just shut up shop and not try and get out, then it's just going to be made from absolutely boring cricket and no one's going to benefit from it. And that's actually what happened. But it must have gone through so fast because it was definitely in between. Because the year of Corrie, we played... 50 overs each. So it was definitely talked about after September and put into place for that season. And I'm fairly sure that a lot of other people were having the same comments as I was saying. I mean, Dave was saying, meeting. that just doesn't make sense. You can't, if if someone's batting 55 overs and expecting the side to bat 45 overs, then it's just, it, it, it's not a fair game. And I just don't think it's going to encourage it. And it didn't. It was and it only, only lasted for one year. Um, Matt, there were, there, were a, there were a think tank put together at the end of the previous season and there were three or four players got put on it. Jack Simpson, Mark Lomas. I, th- I think yeah. Michael Brown, but it, but it might have been peace, but I, th- I think Michael Brown were involved somewhere along the line. No, were, there were Michael, a bunch... Michael's younger than me, definitely Peter. Right, Peter then. And there was somebody yeah. else I can't remember. Um, and then there were people, I think maybe like, I'll, I'll say Ali Cormrod, he probably, probably wasn't, but there were some well-respected then club you know, yes. people who played, had been in the game and, and knew a lot about league cricket. And and, it, and they came up with it. And that, that was the meeting that was then presented to all the captains and, and chairmen or, or right. the club club chairman to say, as a fait accompli, saying this is what we're going to do. Yeah. It, it, yeah, you might be right. I, I do remember uh, Lomas and Jackson. Gary, you're right. Yeah. I can't remember everybody being there, but it must have been for me to when I went to the meeting. And it, like I say, it, it was presented to us as though this is what we're doing. It wasn't yeah. like, what do you think, lads? And let's have another chat about it in six weeks when you've had some more time to think about it. It was almost, this is what we're doing. Um, but Peter Brown was very, very influential in this, very influential. Whether that was because his lads were wanted to have a first-class career and, and ended up both having decent first-class careers. But I think they'd have done that if they'd have played 20 over, 70 overs or 80 overs. I don't think that was anything to do with the format of cricket that we played for that year in the Lancashire League. And it was soon dropped, weren't it? 
Yeah, I think I think probably the 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 valid objective of trying to do something different than rather four points and a one bonus point and try and make it slightly more interesting. You know, but it was just utterly misguided. It was complete bonkers. Yeah, and it was just the same. What what tends to tend to happen? And I, without me looking at the scorecards, which I've done with Jez, I I, I one game stuck in my mind. I don't know whether you can remember it, Matty. We played Baker at home. And I want to say they got 160 or 55 overs. <clears throat> and we they fell. 100 and, yeah, 190. That's the one I was talking about earlier. They, sorry, they got 100, yeah. I might have got 100. Was out, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was out near the end and we fell 8, 10, whatever short. Two. Two. Was it that, was it that close? Two. That? We were two short off 10 overs fewer and got same. Yeah. And match draw on four points apiece. Four points apiece, yeah. yeah. But I, I was I was looking at that and thinking, that, but that, that was the one that stuck out in my mind. When me and Des have gone through it, there's a couple where we've been exactly the same, so uh, it wasn't yeah. just one way that we got shattered on it. it there was there was probably more that we. Uh, that were early on. on, on the, I think I think that breakup game was fairly early on in the season. It was, mate. Year. It was, and I yeah, think that set the set the tone. Then you, you were just you know of how most games, most captains were gonna were gonna were gonna play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was that that's what ended it ended up almost stalemate, but. Motty, for and I can't remember stuff these days. But when you came, you never had a song and dance about this or or anything really. Even when you know at Rock Stall, can you remember that format? And can you remember if we had any tactics of how we were going to manage it and how you were going to back because you were getting all our runs? Can you remember anything about that season and the, the format of the way it went? No, there was a good history lesson there again. I was listening in, but I um. Yeah, as I said, I played in Scotland. I played in the, um, in in Stoke on Trent, and there were always those rules. So I was actually quite uh, used to those rules, and that's what attracted uh, me to the Lancashire League originally was the the fact that it was win loss. And so, I guess uh, in my own mind, I probably reconciled that it was like you know reverting back to some of those traditional <laughs> rules. But you know, it, the guys are right. Like you, it's a flawed format where you're trying to get a result. In a hundred overs, I mean, um, yeah. I mean, some of the test matches, test matches recently would suggest otherwise, where teams are getting knocked over pretty quickly. But usually on good wickets, if if people don't want to get out in forty five overs, um, you know, you're hard pressed to get them out if they're not if they're not not trying to not trying to score. So well, that's what I always loved about Lank, you know, Lank's league was it was like straight win loss, and um, I, I guess the 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 big conundrum back in the day was um, you know a lot of the pros bowled 25 overs which you know I, I think it's a difficult one because if you sign a batting pro they can bat the whole time um, so why can't if you sign a bowling pro they bowl half the time but for me it, it probably held back a few young bowlers in, in the day I think um, yeah. you know that you know, yeah. being able to you know see four or five bowlers bowling is an advantage I think in terms of Youth development stuff like that, but it was always a tricky one because if you signed a, if you signed an overseas bowling pro, you didn't want a money bowling ten overs. Um, no. So that would have lent lent himself maybe to signing more all rounders or batting pros. So uh, it's always a tricky balance, I guess. I, I actually think uh, some of the leagues have adopted it, but you know, maybe fifteen overs from your pro is 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 about the right amount. Yeah, that, that's that, that's what the actually have done for the last few years, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've now got yeah. that, and I think. Is it, anybody could any one bowler can bowl fourteen, <clears throat> and the rest maximum of twelve. So you've got to use you've got to use four bowlers. 
pull of the difference, isn't it, between yeah. winning the league or not? And that's a sign of a of a of a good team as well, you know. Good if you side. can get Absolutely. close and not, yeah. you know, collapse. Yeah, well, yeah. Um... And, and, and not throw it away. So even now we are encouraged to stay in the game. And if you know you can't, you know you can't win. I don't think anybody thinks that. But you're encouraged to get as close as you can to their score, rather than thinking and and just tossing it off. They go, oh, we'll be under all right. Let's get it back. Yeah, and I think that's even more apparent with the promotion and relegation because yeah, probably yes, a, yeah. A, a, a single point can can keep you up. I know it's you yeah. know when you get and, 12, yeah, it doesn't that's, matter, that's, but that's one run or one wicket in a certain. Yeah, isn't it? Certainly, and if you you know if if you push for a wicket or you you know you try and get that extra ten runs closer, then I think that that's promoting good cricket in the end. Yeah, yeah, positive cricket, isn't it? Even when you get beat, yeah, yeah. without a doubt. I mean, I'm sure you've looked through some of the uh, scorecards, Moss. You you were always in the runs for us, you know, 107 against uh, against Bay Cup and. Great. So, and the 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 game at church. Oh, sorry, when we played church at home in August, you know they got one five three and I think fifty three overs, and we won five one or forty overs, and you've ninety five not out. And I think you ran me out right at the end there, if I remember rightly. Can you remember that? <laughs> I, I can't. Just, but I was. Um, I, it was a ple- It was a pleasing surprise. I thought I'd never got a run against Baker. So when you said I got a hundred, um, that, that that was good news to me because I. I remember playing against Roger up there at Bake Up, and I thought I was playing on the moon. Like he, he used to spin it, <laughs> spin it square, and he'd have a strong leg side field. I didn't know where my next run was coming from. So the fact, the fact that we got a hundred, I got a hundred against them. I was pretty happy with that. Yeah, Brad was a pro. He worked pro up there. Yeah, I did. I did notice that as well. But, uh, <laughs> still, but it was still very cool. Yes, I always. They were, the saying was they always eat the young at their club. Eat the young. Exactly. So, so Marty, just talk us through your, you know, your summary of that year. It was very frustrating for us as as amateurs, albeit we get on with it. We love playing, and as you've said before, the the social side and the practicing. Just give us a. I don't. I'm putting you on the spot here, but a, a resume of what happened that year and. You know, and playing with the different amateurs and what the crowds were like. How did how did it come across for you? I loved it, Jess. It was just, um, you know, obviously as we've spoken about, it wasn't my best year run wise. But I think I got probably most wickets I've ever got as well by virtue of the some of the wickets we played on. But I just remember sitting around that dressing room. It was like a goldfish bowl with the you know the glass outside and you know, people walking past and. You and Stan and Matt and you know all the boys having a great time, just sitting around talking in the dressing room before we went in the bar. Um, and those, those are the things that I remember most about every league club that I played at. It was not so much um, what happened on the field, but it was the camaraderie afterwards and you know having a beer and sitting around and and just talking about life. And um, yeah, it was an amazing time for me. I, I think um, I just enjoyed it immensely. And we we you know, cracked on in Burnley a few times and kicked on had some really good nights but to me it was um it was more about what happened you know that hour after the game where we just sat around and talked about the day that transpired and um the friendships that we had and you know i haven't seen you folks for a long time but it, it seems like yesterday that we're just having the same conversations in the dressing room
Send more hosts to save the hosts.